All right, welcome everybody to nwczradio.com, Channel One's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. And it is, once again, great to have everybody along. I want to thank you very much for listening to our little old podcast, Down the Rabbit yes. Hole. It is, uh, it's amazing how many downloads we have had for a show that we've never advertised, we've never marketed, we've just thrown it out into the world and let it take its course. You guys share it. It's all you guys. It's all of you who listen, share it, email us, talk about it. We appreciate you very, very much. And we do, because it's one of those things, like you said, I mean, we, we don't advertise this. We don't send this out to anything. We don't do anything. We don't have Patreon. We don't have any of that stuff. We do nothing to advertise this. So us getting new listeners is either them just magically finding us, or it's because you as the listeners have told your friends, like, you need to go listen to these people. Yeah, and we truly appreciate that. Because as you said, we've never spent a dime to get our show moved up in an algorithm, or if you Google us up, or in fact, <laughs> our name is so weird. Because there were so many down the rabbit holes. We had to tack on the NWCZ radios down the rabbit hole. So it's almost impossible to find. We, we did everything we could, basically, to sabotage our own show. And yet, we have crossed some major milestones as far as downloads. And we hear from you guys at downtherh at protonmail.com. We hear you, and we appreciate you, and we love the conversation that we have over there. Yes. And we get a lot. And it's the, the part I love about this is that we do get people emailing us. We do get people messaging me on, you know, Instagram, stuff like that. We, we get in conversations with you people. And sometimes I get some amazing conversations where I've had, we've had multiple show ideas that we would have never thought of until someone sent us a message. And they're like, what do you think of this? And we're like, Oh, what is this? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. We love to do research. We love to check things out. And we have a list of show topics, but every now and then somebody suggests something that bumps right up to the top. Yes. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And if your mother is still alive, God bless you. And I hope that you will take a time out or you did take time out. And if you haven't, here's a reminder to call mom or thank her or whatever, even if you don't have a great relationship. And I'm, I was in that camp. I had an adoptive mom. We did not have a great relationship. She was a tough lady to get along with, but I still appreciated the fact that there were a lot of things that she did teach me. There's a lot of things she did for me in my life. And you have to sort of separate some of the negative and look at some of the positives on a day like today. Yes. So, because um, that's like the one thing, like right now, I'm not getting along with my mom recently, but I'll still be calling her today. Yeah, it happens. It happens in life. It happens in any relationship, whether it be your parents or with your siblings or your spouse or friends or whatever. However, at the end of the day, even though you may, unless it was something super atrocious, and I don't want to give anybody the impression that yeah. if you were severely abused or something that you should you know, set that aside oh no no keep moving on i agree there in that case you didn't have a mother you had a, a, a 
what do they call it? A birthing person or whatever the word is used now. So. <laughs> I don't know because I don't I don't operate in that vernacular. I don't operate it in any either, but I keep saying it. But in that case, I mean, you know, a mother is someone who takes care of you. If you had someone that did horrible things through like that, you you didn't have a real mother. Right. You did not. And so therefore you don't need to but you did have a mother figure at some point in your life. Yep. And, and I have a, there's a few of those. Every every Mother's Day, there's a few um, people that I will call or, you know, send messages to on Mother's Day that may not have been, you know, my mother, but they, they were a motherly person to me. And I feel like, you know, they need to be recognized as well. And that's a fantastic thing. That, that really is. It's a beautiful thing because in, in our life, we guess we had our parents and you know, most of us had decent, if not good relationship with our parents. But there's always somebody who came along, whether it was a teacher or uh, aunt or somebody in life who helped you along, who could kind of be a, a, I don't want to say a surrogate mother, but like a complimentary mother to you. Yes. That something you were missed, something was missing or something you weren't getting at home, they provided and it helps you along in life. And that, that's a great thing. There's they should be recognized as well. Yes, they should. Very much so. And speaking of mothers. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I just want to say right off the bat right here that if you listen to this entire episode, you will, I hope, understand what we're doing here. Yes. But I will not fault any of you when i tell you what we're going to cover today if you click out and and you don't listen to this episode it's fine i get it because this is a how do i say it this is a very controversial topic it is it is yeah we're going to be talking about mother Teresa. But it's one of those things like we talked to, I mean, we, we had a long talk about how we wanted to present this because it's one of those things. I mean, I, I don't want to walk in here and be like, oh, and like some horrible thing like against Mother Teresa. So really, I think a lot of what we kind of decided, we're going to look at really the people that have gone after her and the theories that have come up about her. And basically talk about if there's any, any legitimacy to them. We're not going to attack her. No. That's that's not our intention here. So if you think we're going to come in here, because I listened to a couple, you know, things about her and stuff like that, where I mean, they just went after her and like everything else. And I'm like, I, I, I don't quite agree with that. I don't agree with going after her. There's some really weird things once you look into, into it. But I'm not going to I'm not going to attack her as a person. Just, just so if anyone's worried about that, that we're going to be here and it's this is going to be a. You know, huge, like, we're going going to be horrible and say horrible things about her. No, we're going to talk about the things that she was accused of or the theories around her yes. and talk about whether there was legitimacy of it. Absolutely. That's exactly what we're doing here. Mother Teresa was, a lot of you might not even know who she is. She's a saint in the, yeah. in, in the halls of Catholicism. She was sainted. We're going to talk about that because it, was uh, that was controversial in itself it was very controversial because i mean it happened most saints it's long time after their death yes that they become sainted and she was within what 10 years yeah and there's a lot of conspiracy theories around why that was yeah we'll get into that so 
we're going to start. And if you click out now, that's fine. Otherwise, listen in. And I think you're going to, I don't know, enjoy maybe is a strong word, but I think you're going to learn some things today. I know I did about Mother Teresa and some of the things, some of the charges that were leveled against her. And we're well, I think at- it's one of those things, like I said, we're not going to attack her. We're right. going to talk about, if you're clicking out because you think we're going to attack her, we want to get down to the facts. This was fascinating to me because I've heard the name Mother Teresa, and I know who, or thought I knew who she was. But going down this rabbit hole, I found out a lot of things about her that I had no idea of. So, I mean, I think it's one of those things that a lot of people don't think about. I mean, there's a lot of things about Mother Teresa that you probably have no clue about. If all you saw were the news pieces and the speeches that she gave and you just heard about Mother Teresa, about what a wonderful person she was, yeah, you're going to be shocked, I think, by some of these allegations. And some have some interesting twists and turns and might Mm -hmm. even be legitimate. We're going to take a look. So let's get into it. So Mother Teresa, her real name was Agnes, and I'm not going to try to pronounce these names, but her middle name was G-O-N-X-H-A, so maybe Gancha. And yeah, I've then, heard Gancha and Ganja, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Gancha. Yeah, I don't think but. it was Gancha. <laughs> and then her last name is spelled B-O-J-A-X-H-I-U, and I heard several people try to pronounce it here and there, and it was pronounced a million different ways, so I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Yeah. So if you want to hear bad pronunciations, go back to the last episode I did. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure I pronounced the, the main character's name differently every time I said it. So, <laughs> But she became Mother Teresa. And one of the strange things I will say about Mother Teresa is that she became what is kind of known as an independent nun. Hmm. So most nuns, most most women who become nuns, they join... I don't even know what you call it. Is it a flock of nuns or you know, like they join a nunnery? And I, I think that's, I think it's a nunnery right? either that or a convent. They, they right. join a specific convent, a specific group, which she kind of did in the beginning. Oh, of course. And then she, she was a teacher for a long time too. And then kind of struck out on her own because she had divine intervention where God said, this is where I want you to be. So she struck out on her own. Which is very unusual. Yes. Very unusual for somebody in the Catholic Church, whether it be a priest or a nun, to go off on their own like that. Yeah. And it wasn't without controversy. At first, it was not greeted well by the church. No. And then she basically said, well, you know, you can either... <laughs> You're either for me or against me kind of thing. And they just sort of kind of wink and nod, okay, do your thing. But we're not sending you any funds. Yeah. She obviously had this heart for the poor and that she decided that India was her calling. And so she went to India. She started initially one, and then she started several of these charities. And they were... Kind of hospitals. Uh, she had a charity to the poor, to the poor kids. She would 
feed and close some of them. And then there was another one, which was a hospice place where people who were sick, really, really sick and dying would go and they would comfort them to, you know, pass them on and basically devoted her whole life to the poor. Yeah. So there were other nuns who would, who would join her missionaries of charity, which became known as MOC. And she established that in 1950 and she had 12 people at the time that were helping her. Yeah. And today there's like 6,000 members, hundreds of thousands of lay volunteers, and they run orphanages, schools, homes, and shelters for the homeless, health clinics in 139 countries. She won a Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. Uh, she claimed she didn't deserve the award, but that's what everybody expected from, <laughs> from her. That's, I don't think that's any, uh, any surprise there. And when she died, September 5th, 1997, she was 87 years old. The Vatican, two years after her death, began the process of beautification, which is the first step of becoming a saint, which is weird. Because it's very normally, weird. Yeah, normally the steps to sainthood, would, the process would start five years after the person was dead, uh, historically, saints have been canonized many years after their death. One, one saint, St. Betty, had to wait 1,164 years, but all of this was waived for Mother Teresa. Also, there had to be witness testimony of the person's life and deeds gathered by their bishop, which she had none. After all the scrutiny and the congregation approves the case, it's passed to the Pope, who may declare the candidate to have lived a life of heroic virtue. A miracle is required to be recognized to pave the way for beautification, and it must have taken yes. place after the candidate has died, showing that they yes. are in heaven and have the power of intercession. Only martyrs, those who have died for their faith, can skip this stage. The candidate becomes then blessed. And then for canonization, a second miracle must be recognized. After a special Mass, the Pope chants a prayer in Latin and declares the person a saint. So those are all kind of the basic facts of Mother Teresa. A lot of you know Mother Teresa from, you know, her charities and being on TV. And yep. there was the really big controversy where she spoke out against abortion and it shocked everybody. And I, I, that's so stupid because what did you expect? She's Catholic. Yeah, and there's going to be a couple things in here where we're, we're going to have things with this huge controversy of people like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did this. And you're like, she's Catholic. I mean, yeah. I mean, what, how were you shocked that this happened? I mean, it's I don't get it. And there's a lot of that where there's a lot of things where like, oh, my God, can you believe she did this? And you're like, well, in particular, there's, there's a guy from the BBC. His name was Christopher Hitchens. And he had it out for her. He, he really did not like her. He did not like her. And I would say that he did a hit piece on her. Multiple hit pieces. Yeah, multiple. Why he didn't like her, I don't know. I could never, he's, de he's passed on now. And I saw interviews with him talking about her. And he went over to India, tracked around, snuck around, watched different things. He did come out with some, I will say, some interesting observations but yes. his ultimate goal in starting the whole thing was to discredit her, so I therefore discredit him. And that's the problem. I think the hardest part with that is, and I have this issue with a couple of them, a couple of ones that I read and a couple of ones I looked at, they went after her with the idea of discrediting her. 
So it's kind of one of those things. If you go after someone with an agenda, you're going to find that agenda. It's like we see that all the time in politics where if you want to find proof that a politician is slimy, you just have to look for it, you know, and, and put your ideas into that. And there's some things where he finds, I'm like, you know, like like some of the things he focuses on. One of the big ones, we talked about it beforehand, is the fact that she would baptize people all the time. And like it would, people that right before they died, they should baptize them. She was Catholic. Yeah, That was normal. We just did a whole bunch of stuff on the Knights Templar. Um, on everyone else, Constantine, he was, that's what he did. It was famous to take people all the time at the very, at the, on their deathbed, they suddenly decide I need to absolve all my sins and they suddenly become Catholic. It, it, it's just being Catholic, you know, yes. and that's what Catholics do. Their whole job as a nun is to make more Catholics. Right. And that was one of my issues with some of the attacks on her is that she was a proselytizing. She was trying to get people to convert to Christianity, especially in India. And she was trying to bring people into the Catholic church. <laughs> what would he expect? I think well, all missionaries I mean, around the world, whether they be Mormon, Jehovah's witness, Christians, ca- Catholics, whoever they are, that's what they do. And why do you send, you don't send missionaries. You don't send Mormon missionaries to Utah. No. You send Mormon missionaries to the Philippines. You send Mormon missionaries to Japan. You send Norm- Mormon missionaries all over the country and to other places. You don't send them to, to where they're at. The whole point is, is most of India is like one of the least Catholic like areas. And it's the huge, a huge population. It makes sense. That's where you would send missionaries. Yeah, Absolutely. So let's look at some of the accusations and see if they stand up to the BS meter or if there's some legitimacy. One of the things that was brought up is that she was extremely wealthy. Oh, extremely wealthy. She had money coming in from all over the place. Mm -hmm. So according to... One of the nuns who worked there, her name was Sister Virgin. <laughs> sounds like sounds like a bad 80s song. It does. She said that perhaps the most lucrative branch of the organization is the Holy Ghost House in New York, Bronx. Susan Shield served the order there for a total of nine and a half years as Sister Virgin. She said... Quote, we spent a large part of each day writing thank you letters and processing checks. Every night, around 25 sisters had to spend many hours preparing receipts for donations. It was a conveyor belt process. Some sisters typed, others made lists of amounts, stuffed letters in envelopes, or sorted the checks. Values were between $5 and 100000 Donors often dropped their envelopes filled with money at the door, Before Christmas, the flow of donations was often totally out of control. The postman brought sackfuls of letters. The checks for $5,000 were no rarity. Sister Virgin remembers that one year there was about $50 million in a New York bank account in one year. Uh, There was also a building in New York that (laughs) Mother Teresa bought for a dollar. And then they were going to move their charity into it. They decided it needed too much work and they didn't want to put the money into it. And so they sold it for a massive amount. Yeah. 
Then I've also heard that she just handed it back over to the city of New York. So I'm not sure. I could not find any, I'll just say, super verification of either of those stories. Well, and the hard part is, is the whole idea of how much of her money, but how much did she have access to it? There's no real proof of any of that. You get all the people like she had all this money and she could do whatever. Did she, though, or was that money taken by the Vatican? Was that money taken by the church? You know, where did that money really, really go to? Well, nobody knows because it didn't go to her charities, and that is a fact. Yes, and that that's where a lot of people have a big problem. I know one of the other nuns at one point was asked, you know, where is the money? And she's like, why don't you ask my accountant, God? And that's where a lot of people, and of course, a quote like that turns people into a tailspin, like, oh, my God, they were stealing the money and doing all this and doing all, doing this horrible stuff with the money. Nobody knows for sure, but... Probably went to the Vatican. Well, that that's the whole thing. There's a there's an estimated value that when she passed away, that there could have been a billion dollars. So anywhere from five hundred million to a to a billion dollars is the but was, estimate. But the thing was, is there's nothing that shows it in her name. No, absolutely she not. Didn't have and anything. she did not live rich. Hey, let's let's no. just be honest. The only thing she did for herself that was unusual, in my opinion. Was I mean, she made several statements about how kind of weird statements about how suffering was beautiful and people who were from Jesus. Yeah. People who were suffering were, you know, like being kissed by Jesus. And and it was it was this wonderful thing to watch. And and that, that was really strange, considering that at the end of her life, she went to New York and had the best doctors in the world working on her. Which is where a lot of people have issues because they talk about the fact that she was, you know, the way that a lot of her clinics and you hear about these horrible conditions in her clinics. And then all of a sudden, you know, she gets sick. She gets flying in a personal jet to New York to get taken care of and all that. And it's like, "Mm, I can see the hypocrisy there. I can see that a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of really weird comments that are made and a lot of things that you know where people saw these horrible conditions and in, in where she was at but could she have had better i don't know i don't know i found a list you know one of these list websites where they list things so i thought we'd go through a few of them because these are it's kind of a, a compact list of some of the charges and then we'll get into some of the weirder bizarre conspiracy theories because, like, again, we're going to go down this, and I'm not even going to comment, comment on some of these. She, she didn't have stringent standards for baptizing dying people. We talked about that. She once made controversial remarks about AIDS, but who didn't? During that time, I mean, everybody did. did. Fauci did. Fauci did. Everyone. We all had different understandings of what it was. It was in the later 80s. There's some mistakes that, you know, I, I read about them making. But at the same time, it's like we – nobody – that's talking about this was there and knows exactly what was happening. You know, there's things like, Oh, they were doing this in these horrible conditions. They could have had better cause they had all this money, but did they have access to the money or was the Vatican taking it? Could they have gotten the money into India where they were at? I mean, there's all these things that people are like, Oh, they were doing this and they could have done this. And I don't know. But I, not I, only I'm, that, let's go back to the AIDS thing. She did open a charity house or a house in New York called Gift of Love, which was specifically designed for AIDS patients. She did Mm -hmm. do that. But let's go back to when AIDS was first becoming a thing. We were told all kinds of things. I was there. We were told you could get it from a water fountain. You could get it from kissing someone. People were scared. 
I mean, we we were pretty much told kind of like with COVID, if if someone with AIDS walked into your party, you've all got it now. Yep, we were told that. If you were yeah, living in the house much, with somebody who had AIDS, you were going to get it. Yeah, that if somebody, if you went to the mall and somebody who had AIDS was walking through that mall, everybody in the mall now has it. Yeah, I mean, that's basically, in the beginning, that's what we were told. Another one is uh, her beliefs sometimes turn the afflicted into compassion homework. And that's based on this Christopher Hitchin. He wrote a book called The Missionary Position, Mother Teresa in Theory and Practice. And like I said, I believe it's a hit job. I think he was looking through a weird angle at what she was doing. And I think the problem, the, the hardest part that I have is most, almost everybody that was completely dead set against Mother Teresa and talking about, I mean, there, there's some really 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 evil podcasts out there that talk about her i agree i think a lot of them they go off what this christopher hitchens said he had an agenda when he went in he went in with the idea that i'm gonna prove that she is an evil evil person and, and she did nothing good and that she did nothing good so he took every aspect he could to prove that she did nothing good and ignored anything that would prove the other way and took, you know, like we see a lot of times when someone does a hit job, something that's a theory or, you know, has small pieces that could point this way and immediately jump to conclusions. Blows it up. he does that a lot. He does a lot of that where he jumps yes. to a conclusion. Like, there's one story that this happened, so it must have happened every time. You know, there's one story of this, so this is what she always did. Right. Like, for instance, she accepted 10000 bucks from a known cult leader. Uh, she took $10,000 once from Roger Hinkins. His name was John Roger. He was the leader of Insight Transformational Seminars, which was, at the time, a known cult. Hitchin claimed that he had spiritual consciousness superior to that of Jesus Christ, and that she had no problem taking a $10,000 check as a recipient of his organization's, quote, integrity award. It's a little weird. It is. But I, I don't mean, think I would have. But, I mean, it's one of those things because she there's a couple times where she takes money from a, a few questionable sources. Oh, yeah, we'll get, um, we'll, get, we'll get into that list in a moment. But she always mentions, too, isn't it, she doesn't pay attention to politics. That's she doesn't pay attention true. to politics. That's not part of her thing. She is there to take care of her, take care of the people, and do what she's supposed to do. And I do Where think that, that got money, her in some trouble. It did because she she flat out admitted multiple times that she honestly didn't care where the money came from, as long as she got money to take care of what she needed to do. Yes, according to this, despite millions in donations, her clinics were short on supplies. According to this, Mother Teresa's organization. Received hundreds of millions of dollars in donations while she was alive. However, former volunteers alleged shortage of supplies and medications at her clinics. And, of course, Hitchens wrote in his book, The point is not the honest relief to suffering, but the promulgation of a cult based on death and suffering and subjugation. The dude was a dick. He was. And, I mean, it was... Yeah, he was very much had the idea that she was not trying to help anybody, trying to do anything... Um, the whole idea, and that's what I think a lot of people, they're like, so many people went there and they all died. The whole idea of most of what... The, the they were dying when they got there. They were dying when they got there. They were supposed to be helping them into death. Yes. They were supposed to be helping them and trying to do what they could to help them 
as they died. There's questionable ideas on what they did with some of it, but it comes back to some of the, 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 the views of the church and everything else. Not only that, it goes back to the caste system in India. Yes. A lot of these podcasters and these hit pieces where they're talking about, well, that these people, you know, she, she should have left them alone and just let the, the government sort it out. But, okay, in India, and not, mm-hmm. so, not even as much today as there was back then, but for most of India's existence, if you were born in the lowest of the caste system, nobody was to talk to you or touch you or help you or be around you. That was sort of your punishment. That, that's their whole view of life is that you came, you did something bad before and you came back and were born into this low life caste system. And by us helping you, we're not really helping you because you're going to have to suffer this life in order to elevate the next one. And that's just it. I mean, in their in their beliefs and their religion, it was pretty much you know, you are when you were born, you were born in the caste system. And if you were born into that lower caste system, you were born there because you belonged there. You did something in your past life that made you deserve to be there. So, and if you want to be in the, a higher caste later on, you need to do better. And you weren't supposed to help them. So, for her being there, if she would have left them alone, nobody would have helped them because no. they were in that lower caste. They were all going to die. And the government's not going to do anything, and neither were no. the local people because they were outcasts. They're untouchables. Yeah. And so if you're a child born into that situation and nobody's feeding you and you're – I don't know if you've ever watched Slumdog Millionaire or any documentaries on the slums in India, it's horrific. Yeah. So the fact that she happened to be there and there were people dying, that's not because she was there. That's why she was there, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, one of the things that is quite interesting, though, was these, these miracles that supposedly happened. <laughs> so the first one, this miracle, involved this Bengali woman who claimed that a beam of light emanated from a picture of Mother Teresa curing her cancerous tumor. However, the woman's oh, yeah. doctor says she never even had a tumor in the first place, that it was a tubercular cyst which was cured by prescription drugs yeah the odd thing is is that when you go through this process in sanctifying deifying or whatever it is that they're doing making her a saint the vatican's supposed to interview all the parties that are involved in the so-called miracle and use what's called the devil's advocate where you go in skeptical and suspicious and, and suppose they're going to prove to you that this happened. They didn't do that. Yeah. They never even in, interviewed the doctor. No. No, they didn't. And it's one of those things. And, I mean, it's quite interesting. I mean, even her her husband, the doctor, everybody but her is like, yeah, this was just medicine. Well, that was the weird thing about her, this, this gal's husband. Initially, he came out and he said, nope, this was not a miracle. She was cured by the doctor and the drugs. And then he flipped, the, he flipped his script and claimed, oh, yeah, no, it was a miracle. And everyone wonders who got to him because he, uh, he changed his story later on. Yeah, I think someone paid him. One of the uh, big charges is that 
her order was dealing in child trafficking. And they were actually investigated for it. And I've seen that one. Two, I think two nuns, Sister Consalia and a staff member, Amina Endwar, were actually arrested in connection with the trafficking. And what happened was, is they sold four infants, including a six-month-old boy, who changed hands for $730. Yeah. They also found that 1760 was paid for another child, but she later took the child back and didn't give the, mo- the, the money, she no, no refund. And, that's what, and that couple is the one who initially started this whole thing. Yeah. Now, Mother Teresa was not alive during that time. No, she's like, and there's a few things on that where she, you know, where there's things that happened that, you know, after she died that people are like, oh, look what happened in her organization. She wasn't even alive at that point. So according to Samita Kumar, the spokeswoman for the Missionaries of Charity, this order, she said there was no question of selling any child as the missionaries of charity had stopped giving children for adoption three years ago. So they used to adopt them out. Then they decided, hey, let's start selling them. But that was yeah. not a Mother Teresa thing. That was her order. Now, some people say... And it wasn't the whole order from everything I could read. It was no. only a couple people. No, it wasn't all of them. There was just a couple. There was a few. However, let's make a connection here. <laughs> She did work with Hillary Clinton to create a Washington, D.C. adoption center that closed almost immediately. According to this article, this is Hillary Clinton recounting her time with Mother Teresa. She said, Mother Teresa was unerringly direct. She disagreed with my views on a woman's right to choose and told me so. She sent me dozens of notes and messages with the same gentle entreaty. She never lectured or scolded me. Her admonitions were always loving and heartfelt. Had the greatest respect for her opposition to abortion, but I believe that it's dangerous to give any state the power, and blah, 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 blah. Then she says, Mother Teresa and I found much common ground in many other areas, including the importance of adoption. The nun mm-hmm. told the first lady she had placed over 3,000 orphan babies into adoptive homes in India and informed the first lady her goal of establishing a home in Washington, D.C. Hillary Clinton went to India, toured the facilities, came back, and they started this adoption agency in Washington, D.C. with Hillary Clinton. Hmm. A spokesman for Clinton, who was then Secretary of the State, said about the adoption center's closing by saying, Clinton, quote, remains very proud of her work with Mother Teresa and opening this home in 1995. Their partnership is a a success story to be emulated. On June 19, 1995, she got the center. That moment is captured by a photo of Hillary and Mother Teresa smiling and clasping hands. Mother Teresa died two years later. That's from the Washington Examiner. A lot of people have tried to make the connection. We all know about what we've talked about with Pizzagate, Hillary Clinton, and children. Yeah. A lot of people have tried to make the connection that Mother Teresa was in on the whole Pizzagate thing by funneling these kids through this adoption agency with Hillary Clinton. Are you buying that? No. No. Not at all. I mean, Mother Teresa did, 
a lot of things. There's a lot of questionable things she did. I, just, I, I could not see her child trafficking. I don't know. I maybe maybe I'm naive in that, but I just according to this article to it says it's unfortunately when Mother Teresa died wasn't the end of it. A reporter for Christian magazine World, Emily Bells, discovered in 2010 that the home housing the adoption center in the neighborhood of Chevy Chase in northwest Washington had been sold in 2002, and it remains unclear whether the home facilitated any adoptions. Missionaries of charity remain present in the nation's capital with a convent located in a neighborhood in northeast D.C., a much poorer part of Washington than Chevy Chase. According to this, Clinton appears to have first learned of the closing of the center after the press inquiries followed Bell's story for World as emails released last year after the investigation into her private emails. Clinton and spokesman Philippe Reigns corresponded on email in 2010 about the closing. The Secretary of State complained about the bad look for her and said, quote, why is this stuff, why does stuff like this stalk us? She asked Reigns in one email. Hmm. And according to Gerald Bayer reporting for TWS, Clinton continued to tout her working relationship with Mother Teresa after learning about the closing of the adoption center. So I don't know. That's the charge, and it's an interesting one, I'll say. That is an interesting one. I am not, I'm not sure about that. Here's another one that's interesting. A longtime special assistant to Mother Teresa, Mark Bloomfield, at age 54, was beaten to death outside of a pub in Wales. He worked with children in Africa and India for her foundation, Indy ordered a state government to inspect child care facilities run by the missionaries of charity founded by Mother Teresa for baby trafficking. Turns out, according to this, they were trafficking children, selling babies, and funneling between 50 and 100 million a year to the Vatican, her longtime assistant, who was beaten to death yesterday, claimed. Mother Teresa opened the D.C.-based home for infants children with Hillary Clinton. This orphanage was closed in 2000. According to this, 2012. I think it was way sooner than that. But So there's some weird things around there. Definitely. Then there's the charge that Mother Teresa was a Cold War CIA agent. Oh, that's got to be the truth. Well, there's some weird stuff here. Isn't there weird stuff in all of it? Uh, there definitely is. And I think that's one of the things I was really surprised on this. I thought this was going to be one of those ones we go down, it's going to be cut or dry, Either she's a complete monster and we've been lied to all our lives or she's just going to be what we thought she was. That she was going to be this saintly woman who did everything amazing and, you know, whatever. And then all the weird twists and turns came in, like usual, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm surprised. I know. So here's the charge on this. According to Jess McClintock, and this is from the Daily Star. Quote, my theory behind Mother Teresa's role as a spy was having her as an influence working for the people stopped India from becoming a stronghold for Russia during the Cold War. And then that's the end quote. Now, during the Cold War, India had started to build strong strategic military and economic ties with the USSR, with Prime Minister Nehru's policy of neutrality towards the former bloc. It was a concern for security chiefs in the U.S. Now, here's where it gets, I think, weird. There's a lot of pictures of her at the White House with Reagan and with Bush and with Bill Clinton and so forth. According to this, in 2015, a Freedom of Information request 
was sent to the U.S. government asking for records on Mother Teresa, and it was rejected by the NSA on the grounds that the information was classified as, quote, top secret and secret. Following a subsequent request in 2018 asking for a, quote, mandatory declassification review, the documents were released but were heavily redacted, actually containing only one paragraph of information. In 2019, a further appeal was made requesting that the documents be released in full and unredacted. But the NSA rejected the appeal and confirmed the documents would remain, quote, top secret and secret. That is weird. That is very weird. I mean, there's no getting around the fact that that's weird. If there was nothing there, why would you redact everything but a, a single paragraph? And why would you continue to claim that it's top secret and or secret? Like so secret, we are not letting it out to anybody. Hmm. So was she spying? Was she, you know, what was she doing? That is definitely an interesting one. Was, I mean, did they come to her? I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my head around that one. Okay. Because she wasn't from America. So were they paying her? Were they covering for her? Were they protecting her? Like, how does that even work? How do you approach Mother Teresa and say, we need you to operate on our behalf. Here are the benefits for you. What would those be? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But that's a very interesting sidebar to this whole thing. Very interesting. Another one, another charge, is that Mother Teresa was possessed by evil spirits in her last days. So according to many articles... This is a fairly well-known thing in media. I'll just say in research because I found multiple articles on this. According to this article, and this is from the Daily O, 1997, a frail and diminutive form lay on the hospital bed in Kolkata. Her skin was pale, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, this is Mother Teresa. She had been brought to the hospital a few days back. She'd been suffering for some time with ailments of the heart. And old age, they were all showing. She had already had two heart attacks, one in 83, one in 89. And in 1996, she had suffered a left ventricle failure, which left her in need of surgery. At one point, the nun had wanted to actually retire and give over her work, but she decided not to. As the medical staff cared for the ailing nun, strange problems started to arise. During the day, she would reportedly be relatively quiet, but at night, she felt a strange restlessness that would come over her. As the darkness deepened outside, the nun would reportedly thrash around and even in her weakened state display sudden strength and pull off hospital monitoring equipment which was attached to her body. She would become agitated, remain disturbed through the dark hours. Despite the best of care, sleep eluded her and nothing seemed to be able to calm Mother Teresa down. Hmm. At that time, the Archbishop of Calcutta his name was Henry D'Souza. He was also hospitalized there, and he and the nun shared the same doctor. When he came to know of the distress, he said, when, quote, when doctors said they could not find a medical reason for her sleeplessness, I thought she might be getting attacked by the devil. I wanted her to calm down and ask a priest in the name of the church to perform an exorcism prayer on her. Thus, with the consent of the nun, that would be Mother Teresa, Father Rosario Strasio of Sicily performed an exorcism on Mother Teresa. 
The 79-year-old Father Strasio, a Roman Catholic priest and exorcist, later himself said he spoke, quote, the prayer of exorcism to drive out evil spirits. He told the press that the noble-winning nun had been behaving a little oddly and was, quote, acting strange just before the special prayers began, but was calm and restful afterwards. The archbishop kept silent about the exorcism at the time, but broke his silence four years after the death of Mother Teresa. There was much controversy in the news when the news first broke out in the press, but the archbishop said that it simply proved Mother Teresa's human side and was a mark of her closeness to God. And later there were, there were reports in which he tried to deny it, but old notes and a fact that Father Strasio said that he spoke the prayer of exorcism proved otherwise. I find it hard to believe that a, a saint, somebody who has been ushered into sainthood, yeah. could be possessed by the devil. Now, oppression and possession are two different things. She could have been oppressed I believe, possibly. That's an outside force causing you problems. Possession's a whole different thing. Possession is when they when a demon comes into you and hijacks your body. Therefore, that's what you see in, you know, like fantasy stuff, like the exorcism and people, superhuman strength and spinning heads and all that stuff. Yeah. But according to this, they prayed a prayer like an official catholic prayer of exorcism over her and she calmed down interesting definitely interesting it's like you said it's hard for me to believe that too i mean you you have someone that you you've canonized as a saint but then on the other side of that you're telling me that you you had to have an exorcism with her yeah i struggle with that one to be honest with you that one, that one's tough to me, like, and, and this isn't even something she, and, that just and she consented to it. So, and this isn't something that's just people say, "Oh, this possibly happened." No, this this is they show this. If I mean, this is in in the record that this happened. Yes, yes, he tried to kind of walk it back. A little bit towards the end, but it was too late. He had already spoken about it, and it, it was, you know, I mean, it was pretty much canonized that this happened. Yeah. Quickly, let's talk a little bit about some of the people that she, she hung out with, or she and she took money from, because that's another controversy which is worth bringing up. Oh yeah. One of them, primarily, the the biggest problem a lot of people have is that she held audience with many several different times was the uh the president of haiti yeah which at the time was a very controversial figure oh he well he was a horrific person no he was and i and i say at the time but i mean in all reality he, he's just a horrific person so she i'll just say kind of cozied up to them not not a lot it was like she hung out and went to their you know beach house and stuff but she did have glowing terms about his wife and about how the people of haiti were so connected to them and so forth and, and like you said she claims to have no idea about politics but i find yeah. it hard to believe 
because everybody knew about what was going on in Haiti, about how they were completely pillaging their own citizens and how they were treating them like garbage and dogs and killing opposition and all kind of things were going on. And yet she went and hung out with him and, um, and spoke glowingly of his wife, which I think is really, really strange. Very strange. Another person she hung out with was, uh, or she took money from, I don't know that she hung out with him, although she did write into his defense, was Charles Keating. For those of you who don't know who Charles Keating is, Charles Keating was one of the big, huge scam artists, a, a massive banking scam artist that went to jail for scamming yes. massive amounts of money from the public. He ran a Ponzi scheme and he got busted. Well, she yeah. took a lot of money from him. And when he was on trial, she actually wrote a letter of defense for him. Saying that she thought he was, uh, you know, he might have done something here or there, but ultimately he's a, you know, he was a pretty decent guy, which I find curious as well. Yeah. Another person that she hung out with a lot was Ghislaine Maxwell's dad. And for those of you who don't know, Ghislaine's Mac Ghislaine Maxwell from Jeffrey Epstein, that was Jeffrey Epstein's partner in crime. Yes. Her father was massively wealthy who died suspiciously. But he made a ton of his money on educational books that are in our schools. Oh yeah. I mean, he he was he's responsible for a lot of the curriculum that's in most of the schools to this day. A lot of people don't know that. That's where he made a boatload of his money. Mother Teresa was seen with him many times and took lots of money from him. Would never do that. So again, it goes back to I guess where you said she really didn't care where the money came from as long as she got money. But my problem with that is. I'll just, uh, like on a really small scale, let's just look at our podcast. We don't take advertising because we don't want to be answering to anybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't want any, any advertiser telling us, hey, you need to dial it back or you need to talk about this. or Like, we don't do that for the very reason that we want to say whatever we want to say and we would never want to be accused of somebody else directing how we do our show. And I would think if you're running a charity that's a Christian charity, you would be careful about where your money... Now, if it was just an anonymous check that came in that later got linked to him, I'm okay with that. But the fact that she was hanging out with these people... Yes. And hanging out at the White House and hanging out with world leaders, that's to me, is a, is a bit of a... That's a bit of a strange thing. It is, but here's the thing that I, I kind of came across this because I, I had the same idea. I'm like, this is this is really weird that she would do all this. But then after a while, I kind of really thought about it, and I'm like, but I mean, we're talking about a Catholic nun, right? In Catholicism, which I mean, just like most Christianity and everything else, you can be pretty much absolved of all sins except for heresy and a few others. So. For her to be hanging out with horrible people, you would think that she's hanging out with these people that we we say, quote, unquote, horrible people. Was she hanging out with them with the idea that I can fix them? I can redeem them. And that is a 
fantastic point, which is one that I came to as well. And it's one of those, I mean, as someone, and that's one of those things for me. It's like I, we've had this conversation before, we mentioned before this. I am not per se Catholic, Christian, whatever. I believe the Bible. I believe most of this stuff. I just don't subscribe to a specific, like, religion per se. But as, so as a Catholic and her true identity is in Christ and we look at Christ in the Bible, who did Christ hang out with? What was the charge against Christ? He hung out with money changers, tax collectors, prostitutes, and he instructed his apostles to go to all these people, to take yeah. the message to everybody, to go to places that others aren't going to. So I'm with you on this. I think you're, there's two sides to this coin. You could say, oh, yeah, this was shady business hanging out with all these people or you could look at it as maybe she helped them in some certain way in return they gave her they gave her charity some money or whatever like she didn't get the money no and that's the hard part a lot of people really miss that point they're very quick to point she had all this money she could have done this there's all these things she could have done the, the conditions could have been better they could have had autoclaves to you know to clean the needles they could have done this they could have done that she didn't have the money. The money went to the church, and the church. Well, we don't. Gave it we to actually felt, don't know we that. Call, it went, actually, we don't know that for sure. We're assuming it went to the church. It went somewhere. We don't know where. But she, from everything I could find, it does not appear to me anyway that she had access to that. No, I don't think she did, and I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know if that's her fault. I don't know how the. That's the mystery, right? That's yep. the mystery. That is the ultimate mystery here with the finances. Yes, it was a charity. Yes, her name was on it. Did she set it up? If she did, how did she not have somebody who controlled it, had a bank statement or a bank account? Because there there's a very famous quote where somebody asked, it was either her or one of her close associates, you know, where is all this money? And she said something about, you know, ask Jesus. Yeah, ask God. God's our accountant. Yeah. And you know, and it was actually it was the person who took over for her after she died. Because that was a big question a lot of people have because nobody really there's nowhere I could find where they really went to Mother Teresa and said, Where's the money? They went to after she died, then everyone's like asking everybody else, like whoever took over, where's all the money that then she's like, Ask the accountant, God's our accountant, ask him. It's kinda like you want to talk to my boss, you know, his name's Jesus. And I do think that's weird. I, I honestly I think that's weird. I do too. So, I think it's weird that nobody knows where the money went. I'm sure someone does, but I'm, I think it's one of those things like they just weren't asking the people that knew if that, if that makes sense. Right. So I guess the question really is not whether she was perfect because obviously she wasn't because we're, none of us are perfect and she was human. Was she media created I'll just say not her as a human being, but her persona. Was she created by the powers that be? Was she selected? Was however that worked? And she be, because nobody knew who she was. She was do she'd been doing this for decades in India, and then all of a sudden she became like a a literal worldwide celebrity almost. And all attention was on her, and that was due to the media. So 
did they create the persona of Mother Teresa? Or did the Catholic Church hire like a PR firm or somebody because they were getting the money and so they said hey we can we can really use this story we could really push her out there and next thing you know she's getting a nobel prize she's she's um hobnobbing with presidents and kings and billionaires and so uh, hobnobbing is a strong word she was seen in the presence of them and people are sending money by the boatload to her charity and then at the same time you know, they're having to wash needles and they're reusing beds and they, they don't have enough food supposedly to feed, you know, the people that they're serving. And so there's a lot of questions around that. And there's a lot with that. And that's one thing that I found a lot too, where people really point out to, there was a lot of the, the needle sharing and everything like that. And it's like, mm, yeah. Yeah. And I think okay, the other like question it. is, With the Catholic Church, why the rush? What was the huge rush to get her sainted? Was that also pressure from the media? Was that pressure from outside forces? Because uh, the Catholic Church is traditionally slow about anything. Yes. I mean, grindfully slow to yes. any kind of change or any kind of process i mean it's very calculated yes very much so so what was the rush I, I i that's another question i have and i don't i don't have an answer for it i looked i tried there's been no official statement from the catholic church why they did it so fast nobody seems to have a clear answer as to what the reason was and there's been a lot of questions on that i mean it's like you said i mean what why was there such a rush to say, okay, she needs to be canonized now? Right and it's now. Like, but, but, but why? Did it keep the money train going? That's one of, that's one of the questions I have. Because a lot of times you just follow the money, you find answers. Yeah. I mean, because honestly, since Mother Teresa, uh, it was post-Mother Teresa and all this stuff, that all the negativity about the priest and all the crazy stuff about the Catholic Church has come out that has done major damage to them. Yes. Did they know that was coming? And they're like, we, we, we need one last gasp here. Keep Mother Teresa in mind of everybody. Keep the, keep, you know, keep the donations coming in for this charity because we know this train is going to crash here soon. You have to wonder. You do. You, you wonder a lot. Like, wait a minute, why? Why Why did it happen this way? There's a lot of questions here, and I don't think there's a lot of answers. No, and I don't think we're going to find them either. And if we do, it's not through hit pieces and through a lot of this garbage. Like you said, you listen to a lot of evil people who either hate Catholics or they just want to, they don't want anything good to have happened in the world, anything that anything positive, they want to tear it down. I don't, I don't know why people do that, but there are a lot of people out there who have... They put Mother Teresa in their sights and they took even the smallest negatives and blew it way out of proportion. And there are some negatives. There's no doubt about it. Yes. But was it Mother Teresa or was it, look, she had what, 3,000, 4,000 people working at her charity at one time. That happens in any organization. 
It does. You know, you, you get people who come in, you think you vetted them all okay. I'm sure she didn't sit down and interview them. I'm sure there was some sort of system in play. Probably. And they took advantage of the situation or, you know, went rogue or what, whatever happened. I don't know. Well, and how many times do we see that where it's all of a sudden one of those things where there's one person that just, you know, does something horrible and then everybody has like, oh, look at what this group did. And it's like, no, it was this one person in the group. That right. And that's a very modern thing where we try, we take one person or one incident or one thing and attribute it to an entire group, no matter what the facts are. Yeah. And all sides do it. And I hate it. The whole thing is stupid because one person does something and because they either thought this way or they read something or they posted mm -hmm. something, then Anybody who is in the realm of that sphere is just as guilty. Uh, yeah. That's so ridiculous. It is. And we see it so much now where it's constant. Like, look what this group did. And you're like, no, 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 no. One person yes. in this group did. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I guess the ultimate question is what's your take on, on Mother Teresa? Uh, kind of like when we when we went down the, the rabbit hole with our founding fathers. Are there some things that are weird questioning? Yes. There's some questions there. Um, there's a question, where did all the money go? Why were the conditions so so bad there? You know, And like we said, there's a bunch of things where we hear stories of, oh, this horrible thing happened. But we hear it from one person that it happened once. It's like, okay, well, why did it happen? I mean, is it because it really was bad or was it because of, you know, that happened the one time and then they attribute to it. This is what she did constantly. I want some more information on it, honestly. And that's kind of where I come into. I'm like, I think there's some things that are one being blown out of proportion and some other things that we, we need some more. We need some context information to really understand why if that makes sense but I, I think in all reality should she be sainted i don't know that one i have questions on I, I don't think she met the criteria per se i honestly do kind of agree with that one where i think she got the sainthood because it was a good marketing for the catholic church they needed that good marketing at that point because they were having some other issues yeah well, so positives and negatives uh, on just from my end. I'll start with the negatives. I have real questions about why this CIA and whoever the powers that be won't release any documents uh, about Mother Teresa and why they're classified as top secret secret. I think that's very strange. I do think it's strange that they did an exorcism on her Yes. I think it's strange that nobody knows where the money went, although I think we all know where the money's going, but there's no absolute proof. No. I don't think she was hooked up with Hillary Clinton uh, trafficking kids. I think somebody saw an opportunity to make some money off adoptions or whatever, and they got caught. She wasn't involved in it. She was not even here. Was it happening when she was here? I don't know, I, but I doubt she was aware of it. She would have been very, very old. 
I'm not a Catholic, so I don't believe in the whole sainthood thing anyway. So whether she's a saint or not in the Catholic Church, really none of my business. I do think it's weird that they threw out all of their normal qualifications and rushed it. Very strange. Very strange. Do I think Mother Teresa was a good person? Absolutely. I think she was created... I think this persona of Mother Teresa was created by the media and was used as a, uh, I don't know, like as a, almost as a pop figure for charity. Mm -hmm. It was safe for them. Look what she does. Here's this cute little old woman and she's done so much. And I, I mean, I remember the music industry rallied around her. You had entertainers talking about and taking pictures with her and, it was, it was media created, and I don't think she knew what was going on. To be honest with you, and if she did, I, I don't think she yeah. was in as much as, like she wasn't in it for. Hey, look, I'm taking pictures with, I don't know. I'll just say you know Madonna or whatever. Probably a bad example because yeah. Madonna hates the Catholic Church, but you know what I'm saying. She does, but but I know I, I know what you're saying. I mean, it's one of those things that I think it was one of those that she. You know, I, I don't think she was. I think she saw it as an opportunity to get more of her message out. Yes. And they took advantage of her. Yes, I agree. So I think a lot of this is to do about nothing. I think there's a lot of, let's go back to Holy Blood, Holy Grail. There's a lot of jumps and leaps and weird connections that, are not there, but at the same time, I think there are some things there that are worth our attention. And again, how much did she know about it? How much was she involved in it? How much was she aware of it? I don't think we'll ever know. I don't think we ever will either. Yeah, I think, like you said, when we talked about the Founding Fathers, this doesn't take away from anything positive she did, and I think there were there were, there could be or will be people lined up for miles who will testify on her behalf that she was a wonderful human being and a, and a motherly figure to a lot of orphans and people who were dying and people who were sick. And she loved them, she accepted them, and she did good things for them. Yes, and I agree. I think, I think she did some amazing things. I think, you know, Somebody, you know, they, they one person came in and did a hit job and then everybody just piled on top of it. And went, you know, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's and I think her. that's a very dangerous thing. And that's one thing we try not to do on this program is take one person's so-called researched expose on some issue. And that is the gospel truth. That is such bad. That is so terrible. Such a terrible practice. It is. And that's why I try to spend as much as I could researching different. I, I want to see all the viewpoints. Yes. I want to see the ones that are completely villainizing her. And they, the other side, I want to see all the ones that are like, no, look at how amazing this woman was. Yep, I agree. And I think, you know, in the end, it's she did a lot of things that we should all aspire to do. And yes. whether she and of course, she wasn't perfect. Nobody is. And so this idea that because she wasn't perfect, she was, she was so flawed and nothing she did was good, I think is baloney. 
And I think there are questions around it, but at the same time, there's not enough proof and there's not enough out there to specifically pinpoint things where I would say, oh yeah, she was a spy or, oh yeah, she did this or, oh yeah, she stole all the money or, oh yeah, she approved of the way the Haitians were being treated or that Charles Keating, they were best friends and they hung out and all these things. It's all substantial evidence in my opinion. It's all people filling their own bias. It's people seeing it and saying, Hey, I can use this to fill my bias. It, It, happens all the time where you see and I, I see it a lot of time when we go down rabbit holes and we look at things and I try really hard not to do that where you see something and you're like this is how I already feel let's find everything we can to prove it and they take a lot of stretches where they're like oh hey this really doesn't point this way but because of my bias it looks to me like it does so I'm going to use it right I want it to I want it to. I want to create a narrative and I want to find all the proof to fit into it yeah All right. Well, you out there, if you made it this far, we uh, hope that you can make up your own mind. Do your own research. I think a lot of the so-called proofs very flimsy. I do think there's uh, legit questions that are unanswered, and that's just how it rolls here on Down the Rabbit Hole. Reach out. Email us. What do you think about Mother Teresa at downtherh at protonmail.com? I'll be with you for the midweek, and we'll be back next week with a brand-new episode. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.